This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome and kia ora to Running Together, the show where I get to talk with fascinating people who run with others, because of others, or because of the support of others. That's a very, very big group of people, from kids to great-grandparents. We have just witnessed the superb skills of the world's best women football players. It may be the most popular sport, but spare a thought that football players are runners, averaging around 10k each game. It's a team sport made of individual runners who can handle a football very well indeed. Most sports don't include teams of men and women at elite world champ or Olympic level, except one, I believe. That's the mixed 4 by 400 meter relay run. If you want to see plenty of excitement and drama packed into three minutes, check out a video of the World Athletics Champ edition held very recently in Budapest. Speaking of relay runs, this is going to be a big part of our show today. A person who has been in the thick of relay running in all capacities as a runner, team organiser, race director, general event organiser, supporter, is my guest today. He does a huge amount for the sport of running and athletics. Victor Gampoli, welcome to Running Together. Thank you, Peter. Let's start with an easy one for you. Tell us about your most memorable or fulfilling run or race and why. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the most memorable ones was doing the half marathon at Christchurch quite a few years ago, maybe 20, 23 years ago when I just turned 40, so you're in a new age group, running with my good mate Ian McGregor and John Gamlin, and we were clocking along there at three and a half minute Ks for most of the race, and it was just, it's sort of like everything came together, yeah, except for towards the end, obviously, when you hit the wall a wee bit, but yeah, I got my PB in the half marathon of one uh, fifteen. Wow, at a 40-year-old, so I'm quite pleased with that. And the good part is I can throw that at some of the younger ones who think that they're pretty good. And they're, yeah, well, <laughs> and, and, and to my son who hasn't quite beaten that time yet. Frankly, anyone under 90 minutes is doing well, but yeah. anyone under 80 minutes is doing especially well. Yeah. And given that you were a Masters runner at that yeah. stage. Yeah. So congratulations. Were they the main reasons why that essentially it was your best time, I think, for the half? Yeah but also obviously because of the age and just the just, just, experience of actually being able to share that with yeah. some other really good mates. Yeah. and Just going along at a clip and, you mm-hmm. know, how yourself is if, if you're constant and it's not straining, it just feels so good. Just yeah. like, oh, I can run for hours like this. Run forever, yeah, except, as you said, it's... It's <laughs> harder probably, towards the end. It gets harder towards the end, but that, that's a great sensation, isn't it? So when did running become important in your life and what started your running journey and is the passion that started it the same or different now? When I thought back after you talked to me about it, 
it was in the early 70s, I think it was, I can remember my father saying, let's go for a run around the block, because it was that time when it was a big craze. Remember, the, it was a big explosion of jogging, yeah. Arthur, Lydia and that, and so my dad said, oh, come on, let's go for a jog, a run. And so we did that. We went around the block. Unfortunately, he stopped running and I kept going. <laughs> but um, it sort of got my interest. So, so you were a teenager then? Yeah, teenager. Yep. I was mm-hmm. just uh, most probably in second form or first form yep. in one. And um, yeah, and then it started and then got into a couple of teams for running in Birkdale College. I went to the New Auckland Cross Country Champs. We won the teams race in the B grades, intermediate boys, and I think I was about 100th in there and it was just you know one of those things where it was a lot of people and it was great to get some recognition and that sort of you know as we go through this this relays has played an important part in my running i think in a way i run better in a relay because of the pressure of the team and the and you're doing it for the team you you sort of really push yourself to the limit i think there's a big anticipation if you like if you're the last runner in the team but you're also, you're the first one, you get the opportunity to cheer yeah. and, and sort of support yeah. your mates as, as they're going through theirs as well. So so what would be the passion now then? Yeah, I think at high school it was trying to get better because obviously track and field was quite important and I quite liked the sprinting and the middle distance type stuff and I was and as good at it. So, you know, one of the highlights at, at school was in the, in the last year at school, winning the Northland 800 metre champs in a PB of 158. You know, so everything came together, had a good race, but that was my love of the athletics. But it was also the people. Our club used to compete in Auckland, so you'd have a bus trip down, compete on the day, come back on the bus, and there were some hilarious times on the buses on the way back. Individual sport, but a team thing as well. Mm -hmm. I can imagine some real bragging rights for the Northlanders, particularly, you know, taking on the big city folk. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. So about now? What's it like uh, now? Um, <laughs> you know, your life gets busier and work gets quite stressful and it has, you notice that over the years it's got more stressful and I find running as the release and if I don't go for a run, I know I'm just wound up and uh, when I was at, at Jade Software, I remember my staff telling me, oh, Victor, you need to go for a run. <laughs> so that was the catalyst to say you're overstressed or you need to go and do it and I think that's it, is to go there get clear your head, think about stuff, and also have a few runs with your mates. You know, mm. go out in the forest and have a run with you. You know, Friday nights I go with John, we go out in the forest and just have an end-of-week catch-up, and it's just, it's just something. Well, there's been some research about what they call forest bathing, and apparently, I, I know it sounds a bit weird, but the research is that the maybe this is going back to our ancestral roots, I don't know, but actually being in the forest, just being in the forest mm. and walking around is actually good for our mental health. Yeah. So the opportunity here is you're actually doing some exercise, which is usually good. You're in a forest, which is even better, and you're able to share this with a mate, mm. probably conversational pace, that sort of thing, which is even better. Yeah. So all positives. I imagine as far as the stress release, I imagine your your dear wife, Sandy, probably has on occasions suggested that you go for a run. Yeah, that- she's very supportive and really keen for me <laughs> to go for a run. Um, it's a bit of come home late, you know, usually about six o'clock at night and then go out for a run. So our tea's always late. So, okay. you know, it, it takes a bit of understanding on both parts to, yep. to, to do that. And she's... Got a strong running background herself, oh, yeah, and maybe we'll we'll get into that as far as how you met, yeah. perhaps. 
So I mentioned before about mixed relay teams. Have you ever been in one? And looking back on when you started running competitively, can you imagine that mixed teams would have been accepted at the elite level? This is going way back to the 1970s, perhaps. No, no, not really, because it was men and then the women were coming up. If you talk to Sandy, you know, she did a lot of stuff. They weren't, when she first started, they weren't allowed to run Takeakara on mm. any lap and then they were only allowed to do the flat laps. So there's been quite an involvement of that. Yeah. So when I started, you didn't actually think about it, but, you know, I have, we've been to National Road Relay one year and, I had Robin Perkins run in our team because we needed a, a good runner in your club. You've got to pick your best team, and she was good enough to get she into is a very good into, our, into yeah. our team. So that I've never got a problem with that. I think you want to put your best team up, and sometimes you get pushed out by a better runner. And I suppose that's the point, isn't it? If you've got, I think the rules are when it comes to competitions, that you can have, if a guy goes in, Uh, a female team, then it becomes a male team, even if it's only one out of four, for example. But if a female goes into a male team, then it's still a male team, team, which is kind of interesting because the assumption Mm. is that you've got that the females are likely to be slower. Mm. And on average, probably yes, but there's some incredibly fast, as we saw this morning, the 1500-meter final. Holy smoke. Well, I was looking at the woman walkers doing 406 oh. kilometres. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We aim for that, don't we? Exactly. Yeah, we're doing really well if we do that. So can you please take me through your current involvement in running? And I want the full list, please. Okay, so obviously a runner myself. Yep. So trying to keep fit, trying to do 50, 60, 70 kilometres a week as best I can fit it all in. Tied up with our club Christchurch Haven. So I was the treasurer there, but still on the executive and still got a a passion for the club, you know, because I've been with it for over 30 years now. So, you know, you've got that loyalty to the club. For Athletics Canterbury, I'm on the cross-country and road committee, which John Gamlin dragged me onto it to help him. So on that, obviously started off being an accountant. Guess what? You get sucked into being a treasurer. And I was a treasurer at Christchurch Haven and treasurer at at, um, the cross-country and road committee. And then it, would, it sort of morphed into doing a lot of race organising. So I do a lot of stuff. So this Saturday at the Road Champs, I'm the race manager. So that takes a bit of responsibility. It also sort of deflects you from worrying about your own running to worrying about everyone else's running. So tied up with that and then tied up with the board as well for Athletics Canterbury on the board and guess what? The treasurer as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's um, a big long list. Yeah, there's a lot of time, uh, you know, I, I look at it and there's a lot of time that's going into it, but it's all about keeping the sport going, adapting your skills that you've got to contribute to the sport. And everyone's got different skills. And if everyone contributes, the sport's in a good place. Yeah. And if you forgive the question, do you get paid for any of this? No. It was a very quick no. Yeah. <laughs> no definitely not. <laughs> and as an accountant, are you concerned about this? <laughs> no, no. It's just that I'm a strong believer in giving back to the community, and this is one way of doing it. There's there's other things that we do, like Christchurch Haven does, helps out at the marathon. So that's giving back to the running community, sure. a bit of fundraising money, but it's actually helping the event run better. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. If people haven't been involved in organising and directing runs and races, marshalling, and some of them, it was fairly straightforward, but some of them are 
quite complex mm. and require a um, considerable amount of, uh, of experience and, and training, I dare say. The usual cross-country race will be, John and I will be there at 9.30 in the morning. We're working out, you know, just checking out the course, putting it, sort of putting it out to start off with. Duty clubs will turn up and help put the rest of the course out. You're going through the races and then afterwards you're pulling it all down. So it could be five o'clock in the afternoon by the time you're finished. And of course, like you said, people turn up half an hour before, do their warm-up, run their race, warm down and go home and don't realise that other people have put in long hours to exactly. actually deliver the sport. To make sure that the course is clear, the course is safe, the course is the right distance for those people who have got their, I don't know, their garment on and make sure, oh, it was only you know, it was two, uh, 50 metres short or something like this. Yeah. yeah. Checking on their time. Well, well done. And thank you for all the work that you do. Wow. It's really impressive. The obvious question is, how do you complete all of these many tasks and still be the husband, father, friend, runner and work colleague you aspire to be? I think some of it's easy because, like you mentioned, Sandy's a runner. Sandy's on the cross-country and road committee with me. She's there at the races um, doing the information table. So that makes that real easy because we've got a common interest. And then my mates, oh, guess what? They're like yourself and uh, uh, Richard Singh and John Gamlin, they're there at the running. So, you know, that's where you have your social. Uh, we pay a really important part of actually going somewhere afterwards and having a drink and just catching up with people because during the race you don't tend to. You, you might talk to them, but you don't actually sit down and discuss a few things. So that's an important part of it, yeah. Yeah, I got pulled out by uh, Daniel Reese one time when I was having a, a conversational chat. I think it was in the Road Champs, which are coming up in, I think, this weekend, with Phil Chapman. So... The races are not the time to have a conversational chat, as you said. That they're, they're when you're in the you know in the forest doing your easy or your long run or something like that. Yeah. So, and having that opportunity to have a bit of a a relax, a refresh mm. after the race, and in many ways, liquid refreshment as well is obviously a good idea. So, any particular favourites as far as you know, any shout outs to any particular watering holes? Uh, we tend to go to the Volstead a wee bit, mainly because they had these curly fries. But uh, <laughs> we're there on Saturday and they haven't got them anymore. So, oh, no. you know, that's, that's really making the decision really hard. But obviously, things like the Hillwood Tavern and the Parklands Tavern, mm-hmm. and just close to races so that you've got sure. something to go to. Yeah. So, a bit of a shout out Volstead, bring back your curly fries yep. and you'll get some more guests. Let's talk about Takahata Akaroa. First started way, way back in 1935, and it was, I believe, the longest running road relay in the world. A lady asked me recently at a Hagley Park run, why did it stop last year? That's 2022. Can you help answer that question to put a few myths and half-truths to rest? I can. I have had a connection with the Takiakara since about 78. I was running in Dunedin at the time. Wow. We came up and ran Takiakara. Obviously, other people have done more of them, but, yeah, I've been part of that since then. Yes, last year was an interesting year. There was um, a previous year, there was an incident where someone had videoed the runners and were a bit concerned about the safety of it, so that was um, brought to the attention of the New Zealand Transport Agency. So we were conscious about safety and, and trying to do that. So we um, hired a consultant and we worked with the traffic management company to, to get it across the line. And 
everything was going quite swimmingly. But obviously the standard that um, over the years, the standard of health and safety has sort of gone up and it's a lot of risk-based stuff. And so when you look at it, what we might have accepted five years ago or even two years ago is not quite acceptable nowadays. And it's all about if you think about running on that road, which is a 100 kilometre or 80 kilometres an hour yeah. road at the moment, a vehicle hitting a, a person is actually quite catastrophic. Absolutely. So there's obviously a lot going to be put in place. So the best part is the fact is the tarsio on the side of the road, so someone's running and they're not running in the live lane. Exactly. So that's good, but if you've ever driven out to Akaroa, you'll realise that there is some of that area, but there's a lot of areas where the white line is right on the edge of the road, and so that means the runners are on the road and must have the ability to step off the road if a vehicle's approaching and things like that. And if you go and have a look at the course, you'll notice there's a lot of places where there's not a berm, there's a steep bank, so there's yeah. no escape. So if you think, okay, so what do you do with that? Well, what you have to do is then shut a lane down and have a stop go. And you can imagine how much area on the Takiakaroa relay course would require that sort of stuff. So A, it became a logistic, quite a logistic and you know, very expensive exercise for us to do. And I think at the end of the day, it just got too big. It's too hard. You could do it if you had traffic management that might cost you, could cost you $50,000. Yeah. To, to have traffic management for one day on that road. Yeah. So just definitely, um, it's something to think about when you look at that. Until we've been through that, it, it was always, oh, yeah, it'll be all right. But it, when you start focusing on the risk, mm. you start understanding that. Yeah. And there's also the personal responsibility. I think that's been highlighted as well, as though the race directors, the race organisers, then become personally responsible if something happens. Mm. So if people aren't aware... The road to Akaroa is a state highway, which makes the standard, if you like, of road safety, if anything, higher. Yep. Um, the restrictions more uh, more significant, you know, and, and you're more likely to have like a lot more trucks, yes. buses, yeah. um, cars with trailers on it. Mm-hmm. You know, just you just think of the weight and the size of the vehicles on that road yep. compared to an ordinary road. Yeah, exactly. And it's as you said, it's quite narrow and in places, particularly going up some of those hills. Yeah. Right. So, must have been tough to cancel it then. It was devast- Well, we just didn't get the traffic management approved, mm-hmm. so therefore you had to cancel it. You didn't, yeah. you didn't have an option because um, we had two weeks and you just couldn't overcome the restrictions that were there. Yeah. So it had to so be you tried and tried, tried to come up with all sorts of different options and well we tried to we tried to think through how we could solve those problems and Mm -hmm. it became obvious in two weeks you couldn't solve those problems yeah given all the history all the expectations the love that so many people have had for it and that's from not just from canterbury from all over new zealand the expectations and maybe this is something that the people who just run don't appreciate can you explain about the pressure that placed upon you and the others that were involved in organising it and how you dealt with it. It was quite a funny thing because on the Friday when it got cancelled, it was doom and gloom. Yeah. By the Saturday, John and I had been talking about an alternative course. By the Sunday, we were actually running out at Bottle Lake Forest working out what a course would look like. So within two weeks, we'd put together a whole event. That was going from really despondent to putting on an event and everyone saying how much they enjoyed it at the end. So you're going, yeah, emotions are going from one end to the other. And just getting stuck in. We've organised so many events. So the event itself is easy enough to organise. It's just 
working out the logistics and things around it on a new event. You know, it was a challenge, hard work, but it was well worth it in the end. And I think sometimes when you're faced with a bit of adversity and the challenge, as you said, you've got to come up with something hmm. something to replace it and you don't have much time, you also realise that the event, the Titaway, the Takeda Akaroa, as amazing as it was, it had a number of limitations, didn't it? Can you share with us what the, the bottle like the A to B replacement highlighted? I think... When you've got, like, the distance one for Takiakaroa, people are in their own little bubbles, whereas I think what happened at the A to B was that we had an event village and, and the runners were coming through the event village and it was creating that atmosphere, and I think you definitely noticed that it was it was all-day event, whereas in Akaroa it tended to be right at the end when everyone finally gets to Akaroa, and by that time everyone's had enough, they want to go and have a drink and go and get something to eat and move on. So it was good to have everyone together, and I think that's what highlighted it and the fact that you could watch other runners, like yeah. you could go out on the course, you could go and watch and see how it was all unfolding there without having to travel in your car. Yeah. So it was definitely an advantage of that. Yeah, and I think for many of the teams, because obviously you've had that experience since 1978, you got to see, rather than maybe one or two of your teammates running, everyone got to see everyone running. Yeah. You so, could see the elite and you could see mm-hmm. all the community yeah. runners and, you know, you can encourage more people. You know, yeah. I love just encouraging people mm-hmm. to, to enjoy themselves while they're out running. Yeah. It was a different experience yeah. as if you look at it. It wasn't better, it wasn't worse. Mm-hmm. It was just a different experience. Moving on one year, for this year, there's a new road relay. Can you tell me about it, please? Okay. Last year after the event, after the A to B, we looked at three options. One of the options was try and get Takiakaroa running again. We did a feasibility study and that was, you know, it could be done, but um, too, well, too much effort, too much cost. Run to A to B again. But we had a lot of feedback from the runners that A, they enjoy being in the van, encouraging them, doing different laps. I think was a big thing that came out of that was uh, if you've got a hill specialist, you want to have a hill to run them on, not the same lap as everyone else. You know, yeah. Road relay can get quite strategic where you put your runners, tend to put your, your slowest runner on the shortest lap or the places where they're not going to lose time, you're going to put your fastest runner on the long lap. But if you've all got the same lap, you can't use that strategic stuff mm. there. The third option was find another course. So that's what I was passionate about. We've got to have a road relay in New Zealand. The number of road relays is diminishing and all because of the region, you know, the traffic management, the cost, um, the number of people that are partaking in them. I was really keen that we had a proper road relay course. Sandy and I spent quite a bit of time driving around or looking at maps, trying to work out areas that uh, we could do it on. And it had to be more or less on safe roads, roads that were preferably tar-sealed and have a bit of variety in it. So the initial thought that we had was Rangiora out to one side of the Ashley River out to Ashley Gorge and come back the other side. That was uh, an interesting one, but I had a lot of long straight. One lap would have been 10k in a straight line, so not really ideal, and it was a bit too long. Then we came up with another one at Lowburn, going out through Ashley, coming through Sefton. And it was a, a reasonably good course, but the problem with that is it was going on the scenic highway. Right. And while it's not a state highway, it's still a lot of traffic on that road. So there was yeah. a lot of – we worked in with the Waimak District Council and they were saying, we like your idea, 
but this road is just not acceptable. The traffic management stuff we put on there was not quite enough to meet their approval. And so so we then looked at how we could adapt it, and uh, that's where we've come up with the Slowburn one. Further, right up to North Lowburn, down there, round the hill just near Ashley School, and back to Lowburn, and a double lap course, which, again, makes it easier because we've got hopefully less marshals, less officials, and are more compact so people can actually see a bit more going on. And we can use some of the, if you like, the benefits that you're talking about as far as that event centre using the Lowburn to Maine mm. as, if you like, a hub for some relay changes and also obviously for a start-finish rather than a point-to-point race yep. like Tahitakaroa. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. So it's quite scenic out there, wouldn't yeah. it be? Um, I think the advantage of this will be give more people an opportunity to join in. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm really keen that uh, we want the community to join in because you know yourself, you've been running for life. Running, you can do it all through your life. So the more people that we can encourage to do that and just uh, be on the journey with running, it would be really cool. Yeah. The advantage of running is that individually you can challenge yourself and whatever the distance might be and whatever the time goal is. But in this case, you've got the added advantage of being part of a team. So they can support you and you can support them. Yeah. And you've got the advantage if you're a fast runner to get the first lap yeah. fastest time. <laughs> yeah. You're guaranteed a fastest time or on your lap. At least hold it for one year anyway. So it's going to be held on September the 30th. What would success look like for you? Yeah, I've got this um, theory, or someone told me once, it takes 10 years to have an overnight success. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to think long term. So yeah. success for me will be we get enough teams. Obviously, financially, success is important that, you know, we're putting it on. It's costing quite a bit of money to do it. So having the teams there to do it. But by having the number of teams will create the atmosphere and people having a good time successfully feed and, and drink and, and water the people at the at the event centre. Sure. People having a good run and a safe run. Actually, the first thing would be the safe, that everyone finishes, we're all safe, there's no incidences, and we all go, hey, that was a good course, we can improve on it. And yeah. so I think if that happens, I'll be happy, and I know while next year's not the New Zealand Road Relay Champs, it'll build on the community and the club teams. Mm-hmm. So you've been involved in many, many relays over the years, as you've said. What is it about relay running that you find so appealing? I think it's all the the bent. (laughs) Like (laughs) the biggest thing used to be, oh, when's the trial for the relay? Because I've got to be at my peak at the trial so that I've got bagging over such and such because I bet them in the trial. They might have beaten me six times during the season, but I bet them in the trial and I can get into the team. And that's an interesting point. You should mention that because people who would quite often be your competitors, at least at a club level, yeah, suddenly become your teammates. Yeah. So you're really wanting them to run well. You're wanting them to have an absolutely outstanding performance. So it's the team, if you like, yeah. against another team yeah. if, from a competitive point of view. Yeah. It is harsh because I remember in the van up at Palmerston North, come on, Andrew Stark, go faster. <laughs> come on, give me a bigger – I'm doing the next lap. I need a bigger <laughs> break on the, the other team. Come on. A bigger lead, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're in the lead, yeah. Now we're changing things a little bit. So we've got the quick fire round. Yep, okay. Right, here we go. Shoes with lots of cushioning or very little? 
Lots of cushioning. Please. I'm a hoka man. You're a hoka man, absolutely. Uphill or downhill? I used to be really good at uphill, so I'd prefer uphill. Okay. Trail, road, cross country or track? You need a choice. Okay, I'll go for road then. Okay, go for road. Choice of your favourite running distance. So you mentioned 800 and you mentioned half marathon. So I'll go through the list. And this is over your entire career. 800, 1500, 5K, 10K, half marathon or marathon? I would say 10K. 10K, right in the middle. (laughs) Well done. Morning or afternoon? Afternoon. Okay. Oh, that's why I can't go to park run because I can't run. race at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> warming up or cooling down? I'm better at warming up. You're more likely to warm well, up. than cool down. <laughs> yeah, Usually uh, too. too busy pulling down a course to warm down that, properly. That's your cool down, yeah. yeah. Relays or individual runs? I think as I've got older, I think I enjoy the relays okay. more. Mm-hmm. And finally, a runner or a coach you greatly admire? I oh, quite like a lot of the older coaches and was it Herb Elliott's coach? Percy Serity. Yeah, I've read a, a few of his books and, and, you know, they're just that hard work type stuff and it's the same with Arthur Lydia, isn't it? I sort of, yeah. I come from that school doing the mileage and the hard work. So a runner? Oh, John Gamlin. I thought you might. Victor, it's been a pleasure and really insightful to hear about your running journey, about how you're helping bring runners together. So thanks very much for sharing and all the best for Lowburn 68. Thank you, Peter.